0: What is up, everyone? Welcome back to The Awakened Catholic Show. I am your host, Nick Delatory. Today, we have got an incredible show for you, my good friend, Hector Molina, who is just an incredible evangelist and man of God. I'm so excited to dive into this conversation with you, with him, uh, and learn more about the man the myth, the legend, Hector Molina, and the work he is doing—he, um, uh, he's just—he's just so fantastic. This is bound to be a fantastic episode. All of that is coming up right after this. <music> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Show, this is not your grandmother's Catholic talk show, unless your grandmother is amazing. Anyways, uh, before we get into this episode, just a couple of really quick things I'm going to go over. Number one, if you want to support the work of this show and get in on a daily scripture reflection with yours truly, as in me, please join the community of saints. You can learn more about it at theawakencatholicshow.com. As well... Awaken Catholic as an organization, we've got the Catholic social media alternative for you. Visit theawakenapp.io to learn more or just search for Awaken Catholic on your uh, Apple App Store or your Google Play Store. Um, that's also where all the action is at. All the the private communities for each of the shows. Uh, we have a prayer library, a music library. Uh, we, we just the the fun doesn't stop. So visit theawakenapp.io today. And then finally, this episode. Is made possible by the incredible people, the amazing team at Select International Tours. Um, to learn more about Select International Tours, visit selectinternationaltours dot com slash awaken. They are the num- numero uno, and I'm only saying numero uno with a weird accent. You know, even though I'm a Spanish speaking person, because maybe you might understand that better than numero uno if you are an Anglo. I'm doing this for you. Um, selectinternationaltours dot com slash awaken. The premier pilgrimage company in the united states you don't want to miss out on the opportunities to walk where jesus walked or or walk where some of the saints walked it's it's transformative it's powerful select international tours.com slash awaken thank you select and all of you beautiful people that work there and work with us in partnership for these pilgrimages thank you for sponsoring this episode on to today's interview with mr senor hector molina don nicolas ¿cómo estás? <laughs> stop you're too much <laughs> i'm doing marvelously well brother it's so good to finally have you here in the show yeah. we we met each other during the pandemic virtually as so many cool friendships have happened for so many people uh how are you i'm
1: blessed my friend blessed to be with you and on awakened catholic this is the highlight for me <laughs>
0: The highlight, <laughs> the highlight
1: of of the day. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Uh,
0: I was actually we were going to have met each other recently at the CMN conference, the Momentum yeah. Twenty One, um, in Chicago, and then you ended up coming under the weather, and and then you were you, your family was also in the middle of selling your house, buying a new house. Yeah, crazy it's been time, a
1: crazy whirlwind of of a couple of months, and yeah, I lamented the fact that I missed out on that conference, but. I was taking in your amazing live streaming, which was incredibly entertaining, inspiring, <laughs> informing, uh, and, and just loved it. So I was grateful that I was able to participate like so many others virtually through the live streaming that you were doing. So you just did a fantastic job. And, uh, and I know you did the folks at Select International Tours proud. That's oh. actually how you and I met because I reached out to you. Uh, as an admirer of Awakened Catholic and the work that you and your team uh, were doing and I just thought, okay I wonder if he does pilgrimages because he and really all the hosts that you have are fantastic presenters and evangelists and communicators and you're so inspiring. I said they've got to get into pilgrimages if they aren't already and so I reached out to you and uh, we had a little virtual conversation, got to know each other and um, and I just share with you my experience. I've been working with select for for years now and they really are the premier they're the best in the business. Um, and you consequently you, you spoke with Adida and with her team and you got to see for yourself that what I was sharing with you uh, was really true and uh, and it delights me to know that you guys have developed such a great relationship and that you've got already pilgr- pilgrimages, you know, scheduled for that are coming up, uh, which is awesome. So yeah. I, I'm I'm delighted, brother. You are going to absolutely crush it. Oh, uh, thank you. So I, I encourage all of th- those who are watching and listening. If you've never been to the Holy Land, and I know you have one going to, is it is it France? Yes. Yeah, to please uh, check out Awakening Catholic and and get on one of those pilgrimages because uh, it it really is a life changing experience.
0: So. Awesome. Yeah. I, thank you so much for your kind words. I, I, it was a bit much, maybe overstated, but, um, <laughs> you're, you're
1: paying me good money. So. <laughs> okay.
0: Your reward will be in heaven, Hector. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, no. And what was amazing about your reaching out and even just being prompted to do so, I, I think very clearly by the spirit, because, uh, maybe a year before we had been talking about doing pilgrimages with awaken and, um, we just didn't know. Uh, we didn't have the right partnership opportunity. You know, we ha- there were. There's a really great local uh, pilgrimage company here in Toledo uh, that I'd worked with in the past when I was working with the diocese of Toledo. But because our audience mm-hmm. is you know national, and we even have some people uh, enjoying awakened Catholic content internationally, uh, mm-hmm. I just knew that at the scale that we needed to to work, like we needed something bigger. So we just kind of put it off and then when you came to us with this it was like oh my gosh like was he like listening to our conversations does he i was, I oh, was. oh
1: gosh <laughs> get an fbi surveillance van outside your house
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Anyways, yeah, it's just it was so great to hear from you, get to know you through that process, um, and I uh, in in getting acquainted with the work that you're doing. I love what you do. I love uh, the the scripture reflections that you have, um, the the way that you're ministering both in English and Spanish. Um, some of the talks that I looked up on YouTube that you gave at different parishes and stuff like you you just you're such uh, an authentic and passionate lover of the gospel and, and it it just comes out of your pores and, and, um, you, you speak so articulately and, and just beautifully, you know, the way that you communicate about the gospel is like poetry to me. Like, I I just really, really love the, the, the just real love that you have for it, um, and it really, I think, makes a, a pretty unique impact on the audiences, congregations that you're speaking to, people, you know, watching live streams or what have you. Uh, so, thank you for the work that you're doing. Oh, I want to. That's very kind. No, no, it's not. It's honest. Um, I I want to kind of dive into the man, Hector Molina. Who are you? Like, where did you come from? <laughs> <laughs> where did you come from? Where did you go?
1: Oh, wow. That's a deep and profound philosophical query. <laughs> let, me, let me steady myself. Um, just a little snapshot. I am um, a native New Yorker. Uh, you would call me a New Eurecan. A New Yurican <laughs> is a Puerto Rican who is born and raised in New York, yeah. which is the capital of Puerto Rico. If you didn't know, there are more Puerto Ricans in New York than in Puerto Rico.
0: Are you serious? Uh, uh, probably. Probably. Uh, <laughs> so west side story and was about your family
1: it was about my family yes yeah. <laughs> happy to live in america well i don't know about now but um yes i was born and raised uh, on the east coast uh, new york city born and bred in brooklyn new york capital of the world um my parents came over from the island when they were they were brought over when they were children met got married i'm the oldest of four um we initially were pretty mm-hmm. much a a Catholic in name-only family, uh, culturally religious. You know, my parents identified themselves as, as as Catholics, but they really weren't practicing. And fast forward a little bit, my parents, they went through a rough patch in their marriage. And I was the oldest, so I, I, I remember the screaming and the fighting and the tension, and it weighed heavily on me. I just remember how traumatic that was, sensing that, Our family was at the brink of of collapse. Mm. And uh, I remember that there was a real turning point in the midst of that crisis. And it was evident to me, even at the tender age of, I was probably about 10 years old, I could tell that something shifted because all of a sudden we started going to Mass on Sundays. My parents, they decided to turn to the Lord and we did something that we had never done before. Every Sunday we would go to mass and we would start really immersing ourselves in, in things that were related to the Catholic faith. And a real immersion took place and a conversion took place, a real healing of my parents' marriage. And I witnessed that. And although if you asked me then, I wouldn't be able to fully articulate it, I could sense that God was doing, God was responsible for healing our family. And so we just threw ourselves into practicing the faith. They really, I mean, we received the sacraments. I became an altar server along with my brother. And the church, the parish was our second home. And that's something that's not lost on me, that even from that age, I just knew that God was real and that he had healed my parents, um, broken marriage at that point, and consequently healed our family. And so that experience was something that really marked my youth. And later on, as I got a little bit older, a teenager, I kind of went through, you know, the existential crisis that most teenagers go through, you know, who am I? What am I? And, you know, what's the point of life? And what do I want out of life? And you start to kind of push away from um, authoritarian figures and and so I was an altar server for years. I was the captain, of the captain of the altar servers, loved it, smells and bells and just all of it. It really was a wonderful experience growing up in the church. But then you become a teenager and it's an affliction that <laughs> leads you to, to ask questions and to want to kind of push back on things. And so I did that. And really I was at a point where I was no longer enchanted with being an altar server or with even going to church. You know, I believed in God. I, I I thought myself as a as a lover of the Lord, but I just didn't feel that I needed to continue participating in doing all of that. So, just when I was at the point of announcing to my parents that I was going to be no longer accompanying them to mass, I was no longer going to be serving at the altar. I announced that on a particular Sunday. It broke my mother's heart. Uh, I knew it devastated her. I said, no, I I believe in God, but I just don't think that I have to go to church and and go through all of this to to believe in Him or to love Him. Well, what happened was my mother's tears, (laughs) her broken heart, I could see how crestfallen she was, led me to say to her, you know what, Mom? You know, I'm, I'm a man now, you know? I've got hair on my upper lip and, you know, I'm making this decision, please respect me. And I said, but listen, I will go to mass with you this Sunday. But then you have to give me space because I just kind of—I need to find my way. Uh, And so I got dressed. I went with them to mass. And so I'm sitting, not with my family. I'm in the last pew, and my arms are folded, and I'm saying, "Father, hurry up with the homily. We've got. Let's get this done. Because once this is done, I'm out. I don't have to get up early on Sunday anymore. I can do what I want. You know, that was the trajectory." Well, little did I know at the end of Mass, at the announcement time, Father calls up someone, someone that I didn't know, that I hadn't seen before. It was this young, attractive woman, young person, not much older than me, who saunters up to the ambo and makes this announcement. I'm looking at her like, okay, where does she come from? And she says, well, I want to invite all the young people who are here. We're from Holy Cross Parish. And we are part of a youth movement called the Jornadas de Vida Cristiana. It's a Catholic youth movement. And we're here at St. Catherine of Alexandria's Parish because we want to start a youth group. So if you're interested, join with us in the annex of the parish after Mass, and we'll tell you more about it. Mm. So you know what I did, Nick? (laughs) I I felt morally (laughs) obligated. So I went up to my mother and I said, Mom, listen, don't wait up for me. I'm not coming straight home. Um, I, I've got to go somewhere. And she kind of looked at me, <laughs> smiled, and knew full well that I, I was compelled to go. Uh, so I went to this meeting. And it changed my life because I encountered young people who are, and thank you for your compliment earlier in terms of authentic witness and passionate Listen, you know, these young people were unlike any other young people I had ever experienced in my life. They were so full of joy and peace, a sense of purpose. uh, They they just exuded that. And I was absolutely enraptured listening to them share their faith, their witness, their testimony. They were on fire for Jesus Christ. And I had never up until that point encountered another young person who was... As in love with Jesus and unabashedly, you know, uncompromisingly, unash- yeah. unashamedly Catholic as were these young people. And I was absolutely captivated. So for Sunday after Sunday, for a couple of months, fast forward, they would come to our parish to evangelize us. And then they popped the question, anybody here interested in going on a retreat? And I was like, okay, uh, well, if, if you say it's good... I raised my hand. It was like I was the first one. I'll go, having no idea what I was getting myself into. So, fast forward, I go on this retreat and I was a little bit worried because I said to myself, you know, I said yes to this and I have no idea what I'm getting into, but something tells me that at this retreat, they're probably going to give us a test. <laughs> and, and, and I'm, And listen, I was the captain of the altar service. I've got to represent. Mm. So I said, Mom, do we have a Bible? And I just started pouring through the scriptures. This was before the catechism of the Catholic church. I didn't have that benefit. I go over my confirmation notes. I'm like, okay, I can't fail this test. So I go on this retreat. And what I encounter is basically the love of Christ manifested. The same encounter I had with these young people, this youth group that had come to my parish to evangelize us. I went on this retreat and encountered other young people who gave such powerful witness to the gospel, and they were so on fire for the faith. And and I recognized over the course of the retreat, the three days that, that I spent there with about 50 other teenagers, that I prided myself on knowing a great many things about Jesus,
2: Mm.
1: but I had yet to know
0: Jesus.
1: (laughs) And there's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. Yes. And I knew a great many things about Jesus. And I had gone to church every Sunday, had served at the altar, but I had yet to truly encounter the Lord. And it wasn't because he was deficient in his seeking me out but up until that point i was not open nor receptive to encountering him and it was through the agency of these young people god bless them that were charitable enough to come to our parish and to step out in faith and to evangelize us that led me to that retreat where i had that personal encounter with jesus christ where i dropped my nets yep And said, yes, I will follow you. And that was at the age of 15 at 118 Congress Street in Brooklyn, New York. I encountered the Lord. And it changed the trajectory in the course of my life. And to this very day, thanks be to God. I mean, that same joy and fire and peace that I had when I was 15. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Wow. (laughs) Here a few years later at 25, I can tell you (laughs) that... that (laughs) I'm not 25. That was a joke.
0: <laughs> I was like in my head. I was like the math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay.
1: I'm 26, but anyway. <laughs> now years later, let me tell you something. That fire is not only burning. Yeah. But I mean what I experienced back then pales in comparison. Yeah with the fire, the peace, the joy of, of this incredible journey, this jornada that I've been on mm-hmm. for the last several decades. And so that, that's kind of what got me started. Yeah. And, and eventually led me into, into ministry, full-time ministry. I've been doing ministry f- full-time. It's been my career ever since I was 20 going on 21 when I started working uh, at a parish uh, in the inner city in Brooklyn, did that for 12 years. And that really was my formative experience in the trenches ministering. And uh, and that's led me on just a wonderful uh, pilgrimage of faith. I've mm. uh, gotten to do so many amazing things and led me to St. Louis, where I worked for the Archdiocese for a number of years as Director of Hispanic Ministry, then Director of Evangelization. I worked for a few years for Catholic Answers as an apologist uh, with a, a band of fellow lay evangelists at Casting Nets Ministries. I've traveled the world, Nick, sharing the gospel. Uh and it all started with that fifteen year old kid, that New Eurekan from Brooklyn. Who, who saw a pretty uh, girl. <laughs> who saw a pretty girl that led him to Jesus.
0: Isn't it amazing? Like God <laughs> God reveals himself and and works with us where we're at and he works through beauty, you know, like he
2: does.
0: Uh, properly understood and properly seen, like a beautiful woman or even a beautiful mm-hmm. man. It's like a beautiful sunset. Like this this is all part of God's creation and yeah. where it gets twisted is when we lust and and when we see it as something that it is not, like not a person. <laughs> um yeah. but i mean a sunset is not a person you know what i'm saying um Mm -hmm. but but that idea that like it in where you were at in life uh and i was you know in similar places um like god leveraged the goodness of his creation to get you there you know absolutely that's powerful
1: absolutely abs and the beauty that that particular person that that young um she was a few years older than me uh in comparison with the beauty that I saw within that emanated, mm. uh, that that floored me. Mm. And it wasn't just her, but it was every one of those young people that came uh, in faith with yeah. great zeal to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And I had never encountered another young person wow. uh, as faith-filled as them. And I said, I want what they
0: have. Mm-hmm.
1: And thanks be to God, <laughs> I received... What they had on that uh, retreat, that outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Oh, goodness. Yeah. You had a drink Just of the, e-
0: the living water.
1: Oh, absolutely. And and my life has, has never been the same. And I've been mm-hmm. drinking out of that wellspring ever since and, and offering others who are thirsting yeah. for, for truth and for goodness and for beauty and for fulfillment and for love, leading them to the
0: Lord. Have um, you watched um, The Chosen?
1: Oh, yeah. no, absolutely. I, I had, when the chosen came out, uh, not long after that, I actually my, part of my first live streaming. Uh, I, we'll, I guess we'll get to talk to about, about that in, in a minute. What I'm doing now is, is digital content creation and, and work along the same lines of, of what you're doing at, at, Waking Catholic, albeit in a very small way. You guys are doing just incredible things. Oh, well,
0: so are you. But, so let's, but let's along,
1: along that trajectory. And so, uh, what happened was, uh, when the pandemic hit, and I was saying this to you earlier, uh, after spending decades traveling the country and points beyond, uh, preaching the gospel uh, to thousands upon thousands of people, uh, at parish missions, at stadiums, coliseums, you name it, uh, I really felt the Lord was, I was discerning that the Lord wanted me to kind of pull back from the level of travel and engagement. I mean, I'm a father, i married father of six and uh, just knew that I had to kind of pull back from that. This was before the pandemic hit and I actually resigned from my position with Casting Nets, um, a ministry that I love because I really sensed that it was time for me to, to shift. Then the pandemic hits. And so I'm, I'm like, okay, well, what do I do? Because <laughs> people are suffering, they're mm-hmm. struggling, they're fearful, they're, they're, they're in crisis. The world is in crisis. And they need the gospel.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I can't get on a plane and go somewhere. I, I, I mean, I, I don't have that luxury anymore. So what am I going to do? And I have been praying about stepping out in faith and, and putting out into the digital deep, so to speak, doing some live streaming and just doing some stuff online. Well, this is forced my hand. I mean, it was the Lord was saying, look, this is it. Time for you to go. And what I did was I started a live stream. I did it on Holy Week. When the pandemic hit, it was about a month or or two before Holy Week. And so I said, listen, I'm gonna it was Palm Sunday the night before I was praying and wrestling in prayer, saying, Lord, do you want me to do this? Because I just feel as it says in the in the prophet Jeremiah, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. Hmm. And I just could not contain the gospel, the good news that I knew people needed to hear. So I put a notice out on social media. Listen, I'm, I'm praying about doing a, a a week-long Bible study for Holy Week because people weren't going to mass. Churches were closed. And so people were just, I got inundated. Yes, 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 let's do this. Please, please, please. We need this. We, we want this. So I did it. Stepped out in faith for a week. We just poured through the scriptures. It was a journey through the scriptures for Holy Week. We did every day of Holy Week. What Jesus did, what he said, its meaning, I mean, the typological connections, all of it. And it was amazing, transformative. And it was a confirmation that the Lord indeed wanted me to step out in faith and to trust him. And then that led to a weekly live stream where I unpacked the Sunday readings and speaking of The Chosen, getting back to your question, a long-winded way of getting back to your question. I'm here for it. I che- I saw The Chosen. I watched the episode, loved it, and said, somebody's got to do a Bible study on this. Somebody's got to mm. do like a, a Catholic perspective on The Chosen. And I looked around to see who was doing it because I want to I check it out myself and I want to support it. But if nobody's doing it, I'm going to do it. And so I... I was talking to my you know my followers on social media and those who were taking in the Bible study I said, Listen, what would you think about doing a Bible study on the chosen? And they were like, Yes. so I did an eight part series for season one. Wow. of the chosen loved it, and just had such a ball doing it because there's so much there's so much scripture to mine, and there there are so many things to clarify with regard to the series. That this kind of a forum offered me, and the response was amazing. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm hoping to maybe, you know, now that I have a, a bona fide little home studio, I didn't then. I had a, a I had a laptop and a, a webcam and a little USB mic. That was it, and a little green screen thing behind me. But now that I've, I've, thanks be to God, with with the support of so many, been able to put together a little home studio. I'm thinking of revisiting and doing season one, uh, all eight, you know, uh, episodes and then doing season two because I've, I've taken in season two as well. And there's just a lot there to explore. Mm. Um, so anyway, so you asked me the question. I'm giving you a very long <laughs> answer
0: to that question. So you're saying you've yeah, seen it. <laughs> uh <laughs> no I, I love that backstory that's really powerful um the reason i brought it up is because hearing your story uh, it made me think of the final episode of season one uh so a friend of mine vanessa de silvio plays the woman at the well um and oh, really she, yeah and and she just did an extraordinary job of portraying um fortina yeah someone who has such a, a powerful encounter with the the divine um and, and with the savior and uh a, a very sudden understanding like i i need saving and and you you are that savior you know like like this whole uh the you know greek word of metanoia where we turn our lives a different direction right and mm-hmm. um she has this radical moment and and she leaves there never the same and uh just in the scene is portrayed with just this i have goosebumps remembering it she just did such a great job yeah. She's uh, she portrays herself as this woman that like is so overwhelmed with zeal and and love and excitement, fervor, energy with with what just happened to her um, mm-hmm. and this encounter that she just had. That she just has to tell everybody, yeah, you know. And she's just like yeah. literally telling everybody, screaming, "He knew everything I'd ever done," you know. And um, and I just and season like season
1: two. Season two, it picks up with yeah. her. It's a it, it the trajectory. She is still as on fire as she was the moment she ran mm-hmm. from the well yes, back into town. And she's just facilitating these divine appointments, which is what I love, because that's what she did. I mean, she said she brought the whole town to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's not an understatement. I mean, they remembered her because she would not rest until every single Samaritan Came to encounter the Savior Jesus, and I love the fact that the chosen picked up on that. Yes, and in season two, they begin in Samaria, and there she is connecting people mm-hmm. with Jesus. And I just I love that. I love her portrayal. Yeah, was amazing, and I that's mean, exactly I,
0: I, what stood out to me with your story and, and making that connection. Is you know, all these years later, you're still just rocking it, and and it's like thanks be to God. Yeah, and it's you know. It would be uh, I don't want to speak for you. I'll speak for me. It would be disingenuous to say that I twenty four seven nonstop have this like high energy zeal to nonstop be preaching. That that's sure. not reality. Yeah, but, not real. but what we commit our lives to and what we spend our days doing, you know, uh, first and foremost, we're married men with children. That's our our first ministry. But outside of that, mm-hmm. like what are we committing our lives to? And it's not to say that everybody that encounters Jesus and has like a, rad- a radical transformation, it's not to say that everyone in that situation is called to be a preacher uh, in like the technical preaching sense, mm-hmm. but we are all called to be evangelists. And um, if, if I'm a car mechanic, if in my life as a car mechanic, I'm not like... Evangelizing through the way I'm living my life, through the way I'm conducting business, through the way I'm interacting with everyone, um, then we still have. A, I mean, we all still have a lot of you know road ahead of us, a lot more work to do, you know, in in terms of striving for holiness and more, you know, a deeper union with Christ. But, um, but yeah, like I, I guess what what makes what it makes me think about is all of my years of work in parishes or at the diocese, like when I would look like a weirdo to you know, my my peers, uh, fellow ministers, for mm-hmm. for being radically in love with Jesus. And I'm <laughs> like, guys, I think you're missing part of the equation here. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, let me tell you something. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And and it's it's especially when you get into ministry and I mean for those who are in ministry, they understand precisely what you're describing. Uh, it's kind of like a foregone conclusion that if if people are in ministry then they're on fire for Jesus and they're enthusiastic for Jesus and evangelization and that they have this fire and this joy that, that really characterizes a follower of Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, I remember, uh, you know, Frank Sheed is, is, is saying, you know, saints are not sad. No saint is sad. If you truly know Jesus or are in communion with Jesus, it doesn't mean you don't have any problems. It doesn't mean you haven't, don't have any struggles in mm-hmm. uh, your off moments. But nevertheless, that, that peace and that joy should permeate your life. And the fact of the matter is that as someone who has worked both on the parochial and diocesan levels, I can tell you that's just, it's not the case. <laughs> and and it, one of my observations was, oh my goodness, you know, part of what restrains the gospel from going forth um, in the way that it should it really boils down to we, the ministers, many of whom do not have yet to encounter, talking about the encounter with Jesus, have yet to encounter Christ. That's something that in my preaching and teaching that I often point out is that just because you come to church on Sunday, you come to church on Sunday and for, for, for your entire life, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have encountered Jesus because the encounter with Christ, it It changes you. It impacts your life. I mean, the encounter with Jesus, as as I see it, is when you encounter His presence, His power, His love, His grace, His mercy, and that encounter with His presence, grace, power, mercy, love, it leads you to repentance. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned metanoia, conversion. Your life is changed. It's impacted because of that experience and it's not that going to mass really it doesn't afford you the opportunity to encounter jesus i mean what, what greater way of encountering jesus than in the eucharist but i'm talking about the mode of the receiver that if you're not open to it mm-hmm. if you're not open to it if you're not seeking after the lord the bible says you shall seek me and you shall find me when you seek me with all your heart
2: mm-hmm.
1: and there are many catholics Truth be told, many Christians who believe themselves to be walking in the will of the Lord and doing God's will and that they're they're uber-Catholics because they go to church every Sunday, but that is not the sole measure of true discipleship. Yes. And it all starts with that encounter with Jesus Christ that leads us into repentance, turning away from sin and embracing the gospel, and it changes the trajectory of our lives. And if we look back on our lives and we can't identify moments, okay, it doesn't just happen once. It happens over the course of our lives in different ways. If we can't look back and say, here's a ground zero moment when I encountered the love of Jesus and it changed me. I encountered the, the the mercy of Jesus, mm-hmm. and it changed me.
2: Mm-hmm. The
1: presence of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and it changed me. If you can't look back and see God's fingerprints
2: mm-hmm.
1: at various moments of your life in, in powerful ways that alter the course of your existence, then you need to do some soul searching because the very definition of a Christian is someone who has encountered Jesus Christ and has become his disciple. Yes, You can't become a disciple without having that encounter with Jesus Christ. And that takes on many different shapes and forms. It's it's different for everyone. But for me, a ground zero moment where Mm -hmm. I encountered Jesus was back at 118 Congress Street in Brooklyn, New York from April 18th through the 21st. I can tell you exactly where I was. I can tell you exactly what took place because it forever and indelibly marked me for life.
2: Mm, that wasn't that. the
1: only encounter. It's one right. of many. And I point out at parish missions, I know you do the same thing in terms of, you know, we should always be seeking after the Lord, seeking him in such a way. It doesn't it's not one and done. Yes, <laughs> right. We're not microwave catholics, you know, stick us in <laughs> for a minute and we're 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 done. Take us out. This is a lifelong process. It's a pilgrimage. It's a journey. And, you know, what I'm so on fire about is the fact that someone shared that good news with me Mm. and it forever changed my life. And I'm going around to to anyone that will listen to me Mm -hmm. and I'm basically sharing that same message.
0: That's so Uh, powerful. Yeah, that's it's, it's what it amounts to. And I think that what holds people back who might even people who might have an interest in having that experience what what i think holds a lot of people back is this false narrative in the world that Even if it's not overtly said, there is a false narrative in the world that we are the lords of our lives. And so when we are unwilling, when it's like, I really want to have an encounter with Jesus, but I'm only going to let him be the Lord of this part of my life. Maybe that one hour on Sunday or maybe half of my week, but my Friday nights, those are mine. I'm going to be the Lord of my Friday nights. Um, (laughs) You know, uh, and and I think that when we're holding God at arm's length by, by creating those boundaries, uh we are refusing to submit ourselves to his lordship and when we allow him to be our, our lord that is where he rocks the house he is like all right i got this hold my beer you know um <laughs> but but he he is the perfect gentleman and he will not invade our lives against our will right and so like if we choose Whether it's on some level subconscious, on some level conscious, if we are choosing to not give up parts of ourselves on any kind of a proactive level, like, like I just, I don't want, I I want. To go to heaven i want to have an encounter with jesus but i don't want to like stop having to listen to that kind of music or wa- stop watching those kind of movies or stop having to have these kind of friends going to those kind of parties whatever it is it could be i don't want to have to stop eating uh you know gluttonously like whatever it is um it, we are the ones holding god back not god god is in incess- incessantly infinitely outpouring his love for us from the cross and from his throne in heaven
1: absolutely seeking us out yeah he's the hound of heaven and mm. and he desires us he thirsts for us and and you're absolutely right i mean the, the scourge of nominalism and the fact yeah. that there are so many who are catholic in name only,
2: mm-hmm. if
1: they only knew. I mean, you know, I was director of evangelization here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis for a few years, and and, and evangelization has been a passion of mine, uh, trying to to distill it, trying to understand it, synthesize it, and to be able to present this to my fellow Catholics who think that this is rocket science and think that this is something that only a chosen few are called to, as you alluded to before. We're all called to be evangelizers, maybe not full-time evangelists, you know, I would make that distinction, but we're all called to be evangelizers. And one of the things that I've recognized, and I say this to to pastors, I continue to say this to pastors, is yes, there, there must be an effort to reach out, as Pope Francis would put it, to the peripheries, to the margins, and to seek out those who have yet to encounter Jesus and, and to invite them into the sheepfold. But nevertheless, one of the key driving factors and forces that will enable us to do that is when we set on fire those who are already occupying the pews, hmm. the frozen chosen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because we have, in essence, a built-in audience, although you know, vastly diminished now on account of the pandemic and don't get me started on that rabbit hole yeah. and the, the decisions that, um, that the bishops have made Um, But we can say that for another program at another time. But nevertheless. (laughs) That's a whole can of worms. That's a whole can of worms. I've got a lot of thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, the fact of the matter is that if we placed any effort, real effort, in reaching those that are already coming to church, many of whom consider themselves to be fine and, and, and perfect disciples, nothing wrong with them. But these are the domingueros. These are the, the Sunday only Catholics uh, that, that kind of punch in and punch out. Mm -hmm. They clock in and clock out. And, you know, to what you were saying before in terms of, you know, I'm going to give the Lord this sliver. And oftentimes it results in, okay, if I give them an hour on Sunday, that should be enough. Right. I've, I've, I've done my time. If we're able to evangelize them through reverent, liturgies Hmm. that express the transcendent and that facilitate the encounter with our Eucharistic Lord, if we were to engage in the sacraments in such a way as to, again, bring out the transcendent elements and, and not hide it under a bushel basket. And liturgies throughout the world, sad to say, are suffering from an incredible deficiency in reverence. Don't get me started on that, but I'm just going to say that because yeah. the other component of it is the poor preaching, okay? And again, I love my priest and deacon brothers and, and, and support them, but the fact of the matter is that the preaching that occurs, I think by and large, generally speaking, is poor, and it's not preaching, charismatic preaching. Mm-hmm. preaching that is rooted in the parousia, and Francis has, has spoken about this at length, of holy boldness and conviction, preaching that is relevant to people's lives, yes. that calls them to conversion, that invites them into this relationship with Jesus. We don't have that kind of evangelistic yeah. preaching taking place to impact the lives of the listeners. Yes, And as a result, we're not evangelizing. Yeah, to the degree that we could be otherwise yeah. because we're not even engaging with the people that already come. How are we going to possibly reach all those who are out there through them? If we can reach them, if we can activate them yeah. and help them to become intentional disciples, that's a game changer. That's Amen. when everything changes.
0: You're preaching my heart. You're preaching my heart here, Hector. Uh, I'm
1: sorry. You got me started, man. <laughs> oh, no, please never <laughs> stop.
0: Fun. But speaking of charismatic preaching... It's time for the Kerygma Speed Round. Are you ready, Hector?
1: The Kerygma Kerygma Speed Round? Oh, yeah, baby.
0: Happens every time. (laughs) All right. You ready?
1: I I guess so.
0: (laughs) So, the first question. Who is Jesus to you?
1: Uh, How many hours do we have?
0: It's an elevator. (laughs) You got an elevator's length. You can pick how many floors. What is
1: Jesus to me? He's... Listen... Jesus is bread for the hungry. Mm. He's water for the thirsty, clothing for the naked. He is the lover of my soul, my all in all. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the resurrection and the life. He's the great I am. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the author and perfecter of my faith. He's the ground of my existence. Mm. He's my best friend. He is the object of my desire, my affection, and my love. I live for him for in him i live move as the apostle paul declares and have my being and i i I long to see his adorable face i long to hear that voice of mercy and compassion and love and truth don't get me started how could you ask me that (laughs)
0: Oh, my goodness. Hector, Jesus. you you just embodied so perfectly oh. and defended so perfectly everything I was saying about your preaching at the beginning of the show. Your, your authentic passion and love and the poeticism oh. of the way you preach. You literally I just love. did all of that.
1: Dude, who is Jesus? Oh, okay. Lord have mercy. Oh, I feel like preaching.
0: I love uh, that. All right. Question uh, number two. Let's see if you can handle okay. it. Elevator pitch for a life with Jesus.
1: Elevator pitch
0: for a life for a with life Jesus. With
1: Jesus. Wow. I like that. Uh, well, it's in an elevator, so that's simple. I'll give two seconds. All right. <laughs> I'm going up to the top. Are you?
0: Oh dang. No, sir. I'm going down if you could hit floor two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, it's a wonderful metaphor for the spiritual life. It's true. I mean, you get into an elevator and you've got to make a choice. Mm. And and obviously people are 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 stuck on many elevators. Um, they're stuck in their lives. Everybody, universally, the human condition is such that we all desire and long for the same thing. We all want to be happy. We all want to be fulfilled. And that's just a fundamental human trait. We're all yeah. grasping after that. And, and obviously, there are many different avenues from which to choose. But when you look up and down the centuries over the course of human history, there is one group of people that have been supremely happy and fulfilled. And they're called Christians. Christians, because they have discovered the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They have found the Lord of our lives, the God who created us and fashioned us into existence and who gives us purpose and meaning. When we're not tethered to, when we're not in communion with the one who made us, then how can we understand who we are and what we were made for, what the purpose and meaning of our life is? How do we know which way to go? unless we have that direction from the one who made us. And so my appeal would be that you would look at Christianity, look at Christians, because as I said before, when the annals of human history, when you consider those who have been truly and supremely happy, even in the midst of pain and struggle and suffering, the one group that emerges time and time again are Christians, because they know the author of life. Mm. They know the designer and they know, themselves to be fearfully and wonderfully made, that God has created us for a reason and for purpose. He has a plan for our lives. We just have to discover the truth of that plan. And the church that Christ founded offers us that plan and that truth that leads to true happiness. Amen. So I ask you again, are you going up? Because I'm going up to the top.
0: You, of all the guests <laughs> I've ever had, you're the only one that has taken advantage of the analogy or the uh, allegory there to that, to that extent. Um, I love that response. That's really beautiful. Uh, and you kind of gave a little teaser for your answer for number two, uh, the third question here in the Kerygma Speed Round. What's your elevator pitch for life specifically as a Catholic? As a
1: Catholic. Okay. As a Catholic. Well, I mean, it's, it's rather simple. If we're, if we're predicating this on the the, the answer that I gave before, mm-hmm. the fundamental truth is that there are many, quote-unquote, churches that proclaim the gospel, that proclaim what they claim to be the truth. But when you scratch beneath the surface, you recognize that there are profound differences between these, quote-unquote, churches. Mm. And if you're looking for a church, if you're someone that has embraced the truth of the gospel, embraced the truth of Christ, then you want to be associated with the body of believers that is more closely and most closely associated with and in communion with the founder, who is Jesus Christ. He's the one that said to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church, singular, not plural. And furthermore, when you look at the New Testament, you look at the Acts of the Apostles, you do a little investigation, you see that there are certain hallmarks and characteristics of the church. And if you were to survey all the churches on God Green Earth, there's only one church that lines up and matches up perfectly with what we find in the Acts of the Apostles and coincidentally happens to be a church founded by Jesus Christ. And that is the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Why would you go anywhere else? to be in communion with and in relationship with Jesus. where we, Why would you go anywhere else for the preaching of the gospel and for the full means of salvation than the church that Jesus founded and endowed with saving, salvific power? Because in and through the church, Christ ministers to us and continues his work of redemption in the world.
0: Wow. Amen. Amen to that. And, and you also made me think about uh, a passage that... Uh, isn't brought up enough in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, where Jesus is praying for the church. Uh, And he says in uh, verse 20, I do not pray for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And I've I've contended for a long time that it is our disunity as a result of the Protestant Reformation and other over the years heresies and stuff. It is when we are disembodied as the body of Christ, uh, dismembered rather, Uh, through the Reformation and through all these divisions now, tens of thousands, some people say 30,000, some people say 50,000 denominations, Mm -hmm. Um, it is when this happens that the world ceases to convert and believe, because Jesus literally says here, and he says so pointedly, um, that the world may believe that you have sent me as a product of our unity, and we don't got it. It's not there anymore. Uh, so, yeah,
1: absolutely. And, and furthermore, our blessed Lord reminds us that they shall know that you are my disciples by your love, mm-hmm. by your charity. And you know, these again are the hallmarks of what makes a true disciple and, you know, what, what defines the church that Christ founded. And you're absolutely right. I mean, the wounds of division, the greatest indictment, but mm. the greatest argument against becoming a Christian are christians. Yeah. It's us and and Catholics included because we have not overcome our own selfish uh, selfishness, our own sinfulness and 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 our own concupiscence and we have not forged a path to this unity that Christ wills and desires and prays for. And and really that is a tremendous argument against Christianity is is, is that division that you describe and and I I pray every day as I know you do, and really the intent and purpose of our programming is not just it's not just for Catholics, but I certainly pray as I, I'm sure you do that non Catholics are able to tune in and are able to glean from what we're offering, and that that would lead them into an exploration of the one true faith, which is the one Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. Amen. And we can't lose that. We really can't.
0: Amen. Uh, and you mentioned earlier liturgy uh, and the importance of a, of a transcendent liturgy in evangelization. I totally agree. Uh, you know, going to touch on something a little touchy here. Uh, so you, recently, we have this infamous modu proprio from uh, from Pope Francis, and uh, everyone's talking about the the uh, tridentine latin mass and pope francis is trying to do away with it and it all kind of stems from you know the modu proprio and and some of the jazz that's going on there but what people are not addressing enough and i'm gonna i'm gonna venture to say that this might be breaking exclusively here at awaken catholic <laughs> is the one of the last paragraphs in the modu proprio okay did you read it yes okay, in in one of the last paragraphs where Pope Francis says that he wants no longer to allow in the dioceses specifically in the United States uh, for them to consume the Catholic weird stuff segment from Awaken Catholic. But as far as I'm concerned, no. My camera's a little out of focus here. Let me see if I can get that back. As far as I'm concerned, no, we're not going to stop. The people want the ca- the people have spoken, Hector, and they want the Catholic weird stuff segment. Colleen, roll it. Catholic weird stuff. Well,
2: I do they do the things that they do. Let's learn some Catholic weird stuff.
0: It's a bird. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So today we are talking about uh Colleen, actually, if you could come in here for a second and get me in focus, um We're going to be talking about the uh, Las Posadas uh, that Hector is going to share with us, some of his uh, story and and background in Las Las Posadas. So Hector and I both have a uh, Spanish-speaking, Hispanic, Latino background. I'm Cuban. He's Puerto Rican. um, And uh, he was born, or Hector, correct me if I'm wrong, were you born in New York? Is that where you said you were actually born? I was
1: born, yeah, New York.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. So I was born in Miami, Florida, kind of the two hot spots for uh, Uh, us Caribbean folk. That's right. Yeah. Um, And the coolest thing about Miami is how close it is to the United States. Uh, But anyways, so uh, what I was going to say is um, I was born there. I I was brought up a lot of my life in Northwest Ohio where Awakened Catholic is headquartered at the moment. And um, I didn't get some of the exposure that you got to some of the really cool uh latin uh traditions and stuff in well latin is such a loaded word now so i mean the latino traditions in liturgy Mm -hmm. um you know the the spanish-speaking liturgies that i ever attended growing up were like the christmas mass you know if we were visiting our family in florida or something Mm -hmm. you know grew up loving uh and there was like this really depressing song that I don't know why they ever made this a kids song. It's like, uh, uh, this little little girl crying to her mom about why there's no presents under the tree, and it turns out that it's because they're really poor. It's like, mama, ¿dónde están los juguetes? que el niño no los trajo. Something, something. And just, the mom's trying to c- come up with some reasons to blame Jesus for not mm-hmm. having the presents instead of the fact that they're poor. Anyways. Mm-hmm. She- That's that was my exposure to Spanish uh, liturgy. Um, But you have some really cool experiences with this uh, stuff called las posadas. Tell us about las Mm -hmm. posadas.
1: Yeah, you asked me for this particular segment, which I think is fantastic, and I would disagree with uh, respectfully with the Holy Father regarding <laughs> this no to uh, As
0: long as it's respectfully, <laughs> I don't want yes, to get canceled. Of course, yes. <laughs> uh,
2: I
1: thought you know, just given our, our our shared background that and and the fact that we're having this conversation, that I was thinking about all the you know Catholic weird stuff. It came to mind just my experience going back when I was a a kid growing up. And as I said, we we were very, very religious. We were uber Catholics and we lived in. And one of the defining experiences that I had over a number of years, which for me, not only marked me spiritually, but also culturally, because I grew up in New York City, uh, native New Yorker. Uh, we spoke predominantly English at home. I didn't speak a lick of Spanish, and so I'm not a native speaker. It's something that, oh wow, that came much later, actually. And and my my participation in the Catholic faith, going to mass on Sunday, and really just immersing myself in the community there, the Spanish-speaking community, it was an enculturating experience. I marinated. In the Latino culture, popular piety and religiosity and all of that. And the language, I kind of marinated in that. But I didn't speak Spanish until really I got into high school. And I made a conscious decision to uh, to really study the language and to master the language. Because I wanted to be able to share the faith uh, in this language. And also I wanted to share this legacy and heritage with my kids. But anyway, putting that aside for a second, the posadas, I remember... Every advent of us uh, being gathered together, and we would go for nine consecutive nights. This is a novena, and this tradition goes back four hundred plus years, originates in Mexico and Posada is Spanish for lodging
2: mm-hmm. and
1: so in essence, what this is it's a novena of prayer and uh, and c- community where we come together. As as a parish, those who are interested, adults, children, uh, instruments in hand, you know, the guitarra, the cuatro, mm-hmm. you have the maracas and the guido and just all of the accoutrement for, for the music. And we would travel to a person's home. Nine people would be chosen. We'd go to nine consecutive homes. Night after night, we'd go to a different home and we would sing these religious songs and we were kind of reenacting the journey of Mary and Joseph with the child Jesus as they were seeking posadas they were seeking lodging remember they mm-hmm. were knocking on the doors in Bethlehem so we kind of reenact that and there's a little dialogue that happens you know en el nombre del cielo pedimos posada and the person responds and so there's a back and forth and then they give us entry and so they're welcoming us in which is what we should be doing: welcoming the stranger, welcoming mm-hmm. the Lord into our midst. We'd go in, and it was a party; it was a, a just a fiesta. So we would sing, we would dance, we would um, share food, and there would be candy for the kids, and it was just a celebration for nine consecutive nights leading up to Christmas. This is not even Christmas season, and I just loved it because of it was a community building um uh, experience where you you just you got to know people and we got to celebrate our faith and and our love for Jesus and 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 our hope during the Advent season. And it was just something that I I, I will never ever forget uh, because of the mark that it made on me on a spiritual level yeah. and also on a cultural level because I got to learn so much about this this patrimony, this spiritual patrimony that we have and that our music You know, Mm -hmm. it's so vibrant, Mm -hmm. it's so dynamic. I mean, when you go to a Spanish language mass, people sing, Mm -hmm. and and there's feeling, and there's passion, and 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 the language is so rich and just so vastly textured. And so, I began to appreciate that, and that that really led me to wanting to learn the language, to master it. And again, it's something that I just thank God for that I had that experience. So that has to be
0: that has to be the coolest novena experience it is. ever
1: it's the most awesome novena it really
0: i'm is. so upset that i've never heard. see i when you mentioned la posada I, in my head i was like the only la posada i know is the homeless shelter in toledo where my mom used to volunteer <laughs> like and so when you were like are we going to talk about when you said that i was like are we going to talk about homeless shelters on the show like i mean and that's fine no but, no uh, you're
1: talking about listen nine consecutive nights of eating sumptuously mm. of and as a kid you know having treats and candy and being able to play with your friends and being able to play the maracas and they would you know call the young people to 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 hit the bongo and and the congas and and to get involved it was it was awesome yeah. i mean it was i just so appreciate the experience that wasn't just like you know once once every 10 years this was every year we looked forward to Las posadas and and singing aguinaldos, which are you know Puerto Rican Christmas carols that we would sing, and so we brought our cultural experience and ethos to each of these gatherings. So you know, wow. the Cuban parishioners, the Dominicans, the Puerto Ricans. I mean, we had as Caribbeans, we had that kind of yeah uh, that synthesized cultural ethos, but we yeah. all brought that together, and it
2: was it was beautiful.
0: Absolutely That's amazing. Beautiful. I'm so happy for you yet envious that i've never gotten to experience that <laughs> and never been enlightened to it up to this
1: point oh so listen there's got to be somebody out in toledo we, we got to get you hooked up yeah. because it's it's a it's a wonderful wonderful experience that it is really so is. cool thank
0: you for sharing that with us hector yeah uh so Pos las posadas you heard it first here folks uh party for nine days leading up to christmas and it's a prayer uh, i love that so much uh, okay, so Hector, let's talk about uh, your ministry, what you're doing now in, in the, the digital realm for evangelizing through it. Um, and you wanted to also talk about this Upper Room Studios. Um, I have your website pulled up here. My iPad is almost dead, so I don't know how long I'll have it put, pulled up here. But I, I love, um, you know, you, you bring so much to the table, and I think that you've done such a good job of uh, portraying. Uh, portraying is the wrong word, organizing um, how uh, how you deliver some of the stuff that you're doing here. Uh, your website is very well laid out. Uh, first of all, it's HectorMolina.com if anyone wants to visit it. Um, so talk to us about what you're doing with this.
1: It's very simply going back to what I said before. Um, over the past year and a half now, I've just been on this journey Exploring this new medium um, that, again, I don't have a real background in, but I've discovered I have a real knack for, a real interest in, and and that is to really leverage this digital medium for the sake of evangelization. And the fact of the matter is that I could reach infinitely more people through the internet Mm -hmm. um, and through this digital medium that I could flying every day around the world, giving missions every day. Uh, and really up until this point, I had not ventured, I had not immersed myself or explored uh, doing this in any concrete way. And so the pandemic kind of forced me yeah. <laughs> to just go in head first. And like I said, I was armed with with a, a an old dying laptop and a USB mic, a little green screen behind me. And... What happened was it just snowballed and thanks be to God, wonderful people out there who've been so supportive of me and who encouraged me. I mean, after the first, you know, that Palm Sunday leading into Holy Week, that first Bible study, I got calls, texts, emails. From those that participated, friends of mine that said, Listen, you 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 need to do this beyond Holy Week mm. and we'll support you. We'll, 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 whatever we need to do, get you the equipment you need. Wow. And so we put together, I said, You know, I'll, I'll find if you're interested, let's pursue this. Okay, Cause I know I can't do it on my own. And so I launched a GoFundMe. We raised $10,000 to get the initial equipment to get this started. And then I've just been elaborating and developing. Um, the programming and really it began with this Bible study that unpacks the Sunday Mass readings and so I do that every week and um, and I've got it on YouTube if you wanted to go to HectorMolina.live forward slash YouTube. I've got a YouTube channel for Uproom Studios. I do these Bible studies and that's just the kind of the flagship um, offering for now. I've got many other podcasts that I'm that are in development now and uh, and many other things to offer uh, for the future. And so I named it Upper Room Studios because I, I had to name it something and I prayed about it and I said, okay, I'm going to name this studio and what's produced here. And the image that came to mind was the Upper Room because it's a place of encounter with Jesus. Yes, It's a place where they celebrated the Last Supper. It's a place where the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. It's the place of the, the the meeting of the apostles with the Lord that changed their lives. It was it was the site of the resurrection, the post-resurrection ex- appearance of our Lord there. And so this humble little home studio, and trust me, this is a very simple little setup, I just offer it to the Lord as kind of a digital upper room that if people were to go to my YouTube page or my website, that they would that would be a place of of digital encounter where they would be able to experience the power of the word of God and mm-hmm. would be basically nourished by the truth of the gospel and the teachings of the Catholic faith. So, I mean, that that's in, in a nutshell, very simple initiative and it's in the Lord's hands and whatever he wants to do with it. I'm just going to continue to produce this content and, and, um, and just trust in the Lord. So if those of your listeners and watchers who want to, um, partake of that, please uh, visit hectormolina.com Check me out.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh,
1: and and I, I hope that what you find there edifies you.
0: So I, I pulled up your YouTube channel here right now. And I, I think uh, number one, you keep saying, Oh, I have this simple studio, bro. You, you've made it look beautiful. Like it, it's, you, it's a Thank great you. setup. Um, you know, you have some automated camera changes that happen. You have uh really pretty lighting, um, it's just, trust me, viewers uh, and listeners, if you're just listening, you're missing out. Viewers, if you're looking at Hector right now, he looks great, but this isn't even half as good as what he generally makes his live stream stuff look. He had to turn off some of his cameras for our interview, or his lights. You
1: you are most kind. And one of the things that you and I have in common is, and again, whatever we do for the Lord, we do to the best of our ability. Mm. I'm a firm believer in that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And... With something like this, one of the things you and i've we've discussed this before uh, is the great shortcomings of of a lot of of digital media that's put out there uh, by other Catholics and again, this is no knock on them. God bless them for their efforts right but oftentimes it's real it's not what it could be if more time and careful attention and and investment were placed, it could be so much more beautiful, so much more impactful and so that's something that's weighed on me and I said if I'm going to do this I, I want to do it well. I could have stuck with the old laptop and the green screen right. and done that. Um, but I know that I'm doing this for the Lord. I want to give him my all and it should be beautiful. It should be appealing. It should be arresting Amen. and inviting and, and and it should draw the the viewer in and the listener in. And so w- with a little help from a number of my friends, thanks be to God and my supporters um, on Patreon, I've been able to acquire the equipment and and get things automated because I'm a one-man show. I mean mm-hmm. it's this this is a studio of one. so uh, through these wonderful technologies, you're able to do so much and and I'm thankful, and I really appreciate it coming from you because you are an expert in this field, and it, it means a great deal because you're able to kind of pick up on these things but um, but yeah i I'm, I'm excited for what the Lord is doing. And I mean, I, I, I hope to be able to expand and I'd love to be able to collaborate with you, maybe on some projects and, and, you know, explore some synergistic ways of, of, uh, uniting forces for the sake of, of the gospel. But thank you for that. I really Absolutely.
0: appreciate it. Absolutely. And I'm a huge fan of the ideas you just said. Uh, so let's find some synergy, baby. That <laughs> <laughs> could be on a t shirt. Yeah. Uh, we we have some funny uh, shirts actually. One of them is like uh, you had me at mass, like the, uh, an invitation to go to mass. Um, yeah. Anyways, we we got to, uh, viewers, listeners, check out our merch shop. Uh, we got some cool stuff. Anyways, uh, man, Hector, you're you're an awesome guy. I've been blessed uh, to know you for the brief time that I've known you, and I, I do hope that we get to meet in person uh, in the near oh, future,
1: yeah. brother. Absolutely. I I'll, I'm happy to come to Toledo. Let's do this live. Um, let's talk about that. Absolutely. Let's do it. Love the opportunity to do that and have you come to St. Louis as well. Rock on, brother. I feel the same
0: way. (laughs) 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 Igualmente. (laughs) Igual. Actually, St. Louis, uh, in many ways has meant a lot in my life. Um, really, one of my big, uh, we were talking about some like key moments and, and whatever in, in our, uh, conversion process uh mm-hmm. that you can point to and and one of those for me was in st louis uh the sacrament of confession that i went to there was like really pivotal it was a pivotal moment for my life it was early in my process of coming back to the church and like just major addictions that were literally healed overnight or not Praise overnight but over the course of that sacrament like i encountered wow. i encountered the the reality of christ alive in the sacraments and his power Here, in the sacraments in st. Louis. they're in st louis yeah
1: what brought you to st louis
0: it was a steubenville conference oh really yeah
1: oh praise god for that yeah man. so
0: i was actually a, a freshman in college no i was a sophomore in college i was a something in college and um <laughs> i was definitely too old to attend a steubenville conference as a high schooler and uh-huh. so the the priest uh that I had talked to a little bit about some of the journey that I was on. Um, He invited me to come as a chaperone to get me there. And I, I had no business chaperoning high schoolers as a, you know, a barely out of the atheistic woods guy. Uh, mm-hmm. But man, it was God knew what he was doing. Wow. Yeah.
1: Praise God for that. You know, that the feast of St. Louis is tomorrow. No way. And I was born on the feast of St. Louis.
0: No way. <laughs>
1: yeah this is I mean you would talk about St Louis and his his role in my life um yeah i mean it it's 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 been a blessing. I met my wife here in St Louis again, me coming from New York, yeah, why would I come to St Louis? You do crazy things for love, and so mm. i I left New York, the big Apple and I came to the midwest and uh married this amazing woman and uh had the opportunity to work for the archdiocese again named after. The great yeah. St. Louis, wow. King of France. And I was born on, yeah, August 25th. Tomorrow's my birthday. Tomorrow's your the birthday. Well, happy birthday, Hector. St. Louis. Thank you, my friend yeah Thank i you. hope i'm
0: the first person to tell you that since i said it so early you
1: actually you are, yes. you are.
0: <laughs> awesome oh, you
1: get a prize do i and you get a prize <laughs> And you get a prize
0: oh man hector it has been a, a sheer joy to have you i do hope we get to collaborate on stuff and yeah uh, hang let's, out. Do it, man. let's do it let's do it uh, all right everyone you can find hector at hector Molina.com or search for hector molina on youtube uh super worth your time he does his live streams there and on facebook right
1: and on Facebook, and if you're interested in becoming part of our um, our Patreon community, and again, unless you first become a patron of a waking Catholic, <laughs> but if you have some extra change that you want to throw my way, um, really, all this is possible because of my patrons, and I mm-hmm. mean. Um, you know, Nick uh, will, says the same thing at every broadcast. I mean, this is brought to you by you. Yeah. So please support Awakened Catholic. And if you'd like to check out um, my Patreon page, is patreon.com forward slash Hector Molina. I'd, lo- I'd love to have you join our online
0: community. Absolutely. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, please do check out Hector's work at his website, on his YouTube channel, on his Facebook page. He's got a lot of great stuff out there. Uh, and, He's got stuff if you speak English, and he's got stuff if he speaks Spanish. And he's got a lot of great talks recorded from Parish Missions on his YouTube channel. So make sure to check it out and please support the work that he's doing, patreon.com slash Hector Molina. Uh, so, Hector, you've been amazing. And, and, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to support the production of this show and uh, be a part of something special, Be a part of the community of saints with the lowercase s because we're still working on it. Then join the Awakened Catholic Show patron community called community of saints, with a lowercase s. Uh, And to to do that, visit theawakencatholicshow.com. Members of the community of saints, with a lowercase s, get exclusive benefits and perks and access uh, to me, including a daily scripture reflection that I will be live streaming uh, for you if you join. I mean, I'll do it either way, but you you better join to check it out. So I would love to have you join. Um, It's going to have scripture, obviously, a little bit of prayer a little bit of fun a little bit of nick you know what i'm saying so theawakenedcatholicshow.com uh today and if nothing else even if you can't join monetarily please pray for awakened catholic as a whole not just my show but also visit theawakenedcatholicshow.com because the the video uh inviting people to become a patron on that page is super worth your time uh it oh did you see it
1: <laughs> i did i did i was like oh my goodness it was like is, is that christopher walken you ever see the snl skit? <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> oh my gosh that was such a hoot and like my kids were the ones handing me books or no elena was sitting behind me was the chair funny. handing me books and i was like tossing the books to my kids and yes. it was crazy um so Check that out, everyone. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been The Awakened Catholic Show. I have been Nick Della Torre, and this has been Hector Molina. Uh, please pray for us. We're praying for you. Before you go, I need you to know that Jesus loves you.